Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife. Over 100,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Blah! That didn't even sound Australian. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Life, episode 33. <laughs> wow. As, as you've heard, very exciting news, we have been sponsored by Audible. Yeah. So what that means is that you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash geek life, spelled just the way you think it's spelled, and you will be able to get a free audiobook download. So Audible is just awesome. We love Audible. We download their books constantly. A and lot. We had heard other podcasts being sponsored by Audible and thought, why not us? So we went ahead and got a hold of them and they approved us. And so here we are. So a special gift to the Geek Life listeners. You can get a free audiobook from Audible at audibletrial.com forward slash geek life. <laughs> so now that we're sponsored, are we are we sellouts? Yes. We're not hipsters, yes. man. Yes. Okay. Well, no, no. See, a hipster wouldn't. You want to be a sellout, Joe? Listen, because, I don't well, mind selling well, out. If DC paid me enough money, I would have a the Brian's segment of why indie comics are crap, sponsored by DC. <laughs> I, All I, right. I'd much prefer a DC <laughs> the Brian comic. Honestly, be amazing. Oh, well, that, that would be insane. That would actually be, be the only thing by DC that's really So, so we ha- have we started the show yet? <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. Are we just yes. shooting the shit? So right, well, we're shooting the shit. Let's introduce everybody. Okay, so episode 33, and we're going to be talking about games. So with us today, we have the Brian. I used to be an indie comic creator, but then I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> and Joe. Yo, Brian, there's nothing like a good joke. And that was nothing like a good <laughs> Much appreciated. <laughs> and with us today we have Neuro. Hello. And Pinku. Hi. And the admin. I think I broke Pinku. <laughs> <laughs> I had this whole I'm thing. Sorry. You were planning on this ever since you heard that we were, we got sponsored by Audible. You're like, we have to do it with yeah. an Australian accent. That was my first response. Oh, we got to do it in Australian. And then, you know, that, this that's is awful. Because, this is because the admin and JP love Mysterious Universe And they're podcast. sponsored by Audible. And they're also very much amazing accents. And of course, whenever there's the admin, there's also the A Tenry. I have returned. I don't think that's are you, fair. Are you also in here now? I am in here now. No, that's not true. You're not. He's not always. No, here. No, 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 no. I'm here more than he is. Yeah, that's true. true. She is. Okay, how about when there's him, there's you. That's, I, don't that's fair. I don't think we've ever had the A Tenry without without yeah. the admin. I think I was sick I once. She was, she was once. sick, but she was still there and on the oh. couch. Was I? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and of course, I'm JP. Head panda in charge of pandamega.com. But nobody knew that. Nobody, of course. Nobody knew no. that. Anyway, so as we start every show, if we have anything outside of our normal subject to talk about, we start with a little housekeeping. First up on housekeeping, we actually have some very big news for the Geek Life podcast. We have been really getting some traction with the downloads and social media stuff, and it's looking like uh, people are listening to us for real, which Thank is you really so exciting. Much. Everybody knows our voices. Yay. So, in response to that, we decided why not give everybody more geek life? Or more in particularly, more regular geek life. Game By more regular, regular, we mean... Damn it, Brian. <laughs> By okay. more regular, you mean... Hush. Dietary. Stop it. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> I thought it, but you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Does that oh, mean you're right, no more to me. So, JP, what do you mean by uh, more regular? Well, by more regular, I mean... <laughs> We mean at least two to three times a day. It's going to be hard. By regular Geek Life podcasts, we mean that instead of every other week releases, we are going to return to our initial plan of weekly releases. Now, what that means is that instead of having an hour and a half to two hour podcast every other week, we're going to have about 30 minute to 45 minute, maybe an hour or so podcast every single week. If this keeps up, it's going to be at least an hour. (laughs) (laughs) So we've decided to do that because we feel like it's better to have uh, more frequent releases, gives us the opportunity to stay in contact with the listeners more regularly and, you know, just kind of keep the fire stoked. It's, you know, I, I myself feel like whenever there's releases that are farther and farther apart, the, I find myself kind of more likely to come back and listen to a bunch at once or read a bunch at once or something like that than actually stay with it and be part of the community and as things are going, which I find much more gratifying. If I'm involved as things are happening, making comments on stuff, getting involved, retweeting and all that sort of stuff when there's, when there's, when it's really actually happening and really actually coming out, you know, not only that, but also 
you know, there are things that are time sensitive and, you know, all of a sudden become less and less relevant the farther from the recording and release time as you move forward. So we just want to try and keep going and keep vibrant and just be more regular. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so from now on, you're going to be able to expect to have every single Wednesday a release of the Geek Life podcast. Now, with the change of schedule like that, we're going to be shifting our subjects around a little bit. We won't have a comic or independent comic review every single time. It will be every other time. And we may not talk about the subject of games, movies, comics, zombie survival every single time. We may focus specifically on the comic review. So we're going to allow for kind of what's wanting to happen to happen. If the comic review is really short, we're going to get into some movies, if it's the time to talk about movies. But if the comic review goes really long and we have a really good conversation, then we'll just save movies for the following week's podcast. So, and we're just going to see how that goes. You know, just like anything, whenever you're doing a creative endeavor, what is kind of wanting to happen will get revealed as you move forward. And so it may change moving forward. But for now, that's the plan, and we're going to see how that works out. And hopefully you guys will stick with us on this journey to try and improve geek life and make it more regular and more fun. Just introducing a little bit extra chaos. Just a little... <laughs> exactly. Uh, Are you an agent, agent of chaos? Next up at Housekeeping, we have something that Admin wanted to talk about. An exciting Kickstarter project that she's been squeeing over ever since she found out. So tell us about that. So, yeah, I'm really excited to be able to actually talk about this because I feel like it's not getting as much traction as it should. And the Kickstarter I'm talking about is called Legendary Monsters, Toys of Urban Legend and Folklore. And it is made of awesome. So basically... Completely composed of awesome. No, I mean, seriously... Yeah, they're cast in awesome, out of awesome. And the artist actually used awesome wax to initially sculpt the awesome of it. It's really just all awesome. So part of the reason why this Kickstarter project is so awesome is, well... The subject matter. Basically what this is, is a set of four. Now, this is just the first one, because Joe was all gripey about the fact there were only four figures. Set two is already on its way. I'll touch on that in a minute. A set of four legendary monsters from popular folklore. So you get these awesome, really high-detailed sculpts of the Missouri monster, which kind of looks like a Bigfoot. You've got the Chupacabra, a popular one. The Jersey Devil. And last but not least, the famous... Mothman. That one's really cool looking. They're all really cool looking, but yeah, I definitely signed up especially to get the Mothman. Didn't, so didn't they find out that the Jersey Devil is actually Snooky? <laughs> <laughs> and this is why you're not on a lot of podcasts. So I thought he was the situation. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. So um, each figurine comes in three variations. You get a full high detailed paint. You could also opt for a glow version. Oh yeah, and now a new improved retro version. So it's kind of got this cool little... It's a sepia tone. Yeah, an awesome little sepia tone thing going on. Another reason why this whole thing's cool, aside from the concept being awesome, is the person behind it. So you may not necessarily be familiar with this guy's name. That guy, by the way, is Richard Broadwater, but you're almost certainly familiar with the man's work. He was actually on board creating Fallout 3, Oblivion, and, I'm sure this will make sense to you in a moment, XCOM. Enemy unknown, so some of that alien influence definitely shining through. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. He also did a lot of toy design before moving over to Bethesda, which is the first game company that he worked for. But yeah, so it's actually really awesome. You've got this whole background of a toy designer and a game designer coming through and trying to create his own line of awesome action figures. So, I don't know, man after my own heart, the dude totally digs the same stuff that I dig. Absolutely. It's very exciting. Now, if, if this Kickstarter goes through, I understand... He's looking at having a Series 2, right? Yes, absolutely. So in Series 2, he's going to have an additional set of four creatures. So we're going to have the Loveland Frogman, the Dover Demon, the Flatwoods Monster. Fun fact, that's where the aliens in Majora's Mask came from. Zelda Majora's Mask, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the classic Yeti. So I'm surprised the Yeti wasn't in this one. Yeah. I mean, the Missouri guys kind of liked that Yeti quite a little bit, but... That's like the the guy. I mean, that's the urban legend. That's that's the cryptozoology go-to. Well, maybe yeah, it was done on purpose, you know? Okay, let's power through Series 1 to get through Series 2. Could, very smart marketing. A little, little carrot, frankly. maybe. Yeah, so in addition to the figurines, you also get um, these little informational things around each monster. Nice. So you actually get some background about around them. And you need to email him and ask him to make a kappa. Oh, my God. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> and a rebob. 
Oh <laughs> shit! Nobody knows who that yeah. is unless you live in Napa <laughs> or listened to our Geek Life Halloween special. Uh, yes, yes, the Paracast. So it's got two weeks left to go as of this recording. The goal is twenty five thousand, and we're sitting at over ten thousand, getting close to eleven. Yeah, so he's 000. actually just a little under halfway yeah. there, and a little under halfway there, both ways. Really, I mean, he's been fourteen days left, and a little over ten k out of the twenty five k goal. So I mean, really, that's that's not that far away. It's not uncommon for Kickstarter to come through with these sort of numbers. Are there any cool rewards? Or yeah, as a matter of fact, so if you pledge, let's see, just a dollar, you'll get thank you and a credit on this website. However, you want to start hitting around the $20 or more level. Basically, for every $20 you pledge, you get one of the figurines. So I'm sitting at the two set. It's been very, very hard not to upgrade myself to all four. Especially when the special editions came through. I know when you first saw these, you were sitting over here at the laptop and you were just vibrating. You're like, "Can I? Sh- I just want four. I just yeah. want all." <laughs> it's really, really tough. Um, you also get a special edition uh, wallpaper, and I think they have signed prints. Yeah, from, for the upper uh, levels and blueprints from the actual. Yeah, what's the most badass thing you can get? So if for you a, get a grand whopping two. Yeah. $2,000? For $2,000, you get all the monsters, glow and non-glow, and I'm sure that he's going to add in an extra sepia tone option. Four signed monster illustrations, and here's where it gets awesome. Four of the prototypes and the Chupacabra blueprint. So all of the original cool, awesome stuff that he used to figure out these designs, you will get. Yeah, I saw one awesome. of them was like a hand-painted Chupacabra mask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that'd be awesome. Which one was that? Yeah, so for fifteen hundred, you actually get that hand painted mask along with all four prototypes, illustrations, and all the figures. Don't forget credit on the website, and of course credit on the website, which yeah. is awesome in itself. And their website is nevermoretoys.com. Right, and if you want to check out the Kickstarter, just head over to Kickstarter.com and plug in the search "Legendary Monsters." It'll pop right up. So make sure to go check these guys out if you're at all interested in this kind of stuff, which we of course are. And if you got some spare change, fund them! Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about Kickstarter, is that you really can show your support for things, and you don't really have to spend much money. I mean, mm-hmm. instead of going and getting your Starbucks tomorrow, you can you can show support for somebody's creative endeavor. It's, it's really a good way to spend your money, I think. Mm-hmm. When we get back after the musical break, we're going to get into our Indie Spotlight. And the Indie Spotlight this week is looking at Little Guardians comic. If you're listening to Geek Life, stick with us. This week on the Indie Spotlight, we're going to talk about Little Guardians. Now, Little Guardians is an excellent little webcomic that I came across on the Twitter, and it is written by Ed Cho and illustrated by Lee Trollis. This is a pretty cool, actually, little comic. Again, I'm a huge sucker for anything black and white, which is what mm-hmm. this is, but it's not dot tone or anything like that, and it doesn't even really seem like there's shading. It's sort of like tune shading, you know, where there's hard lines, definable like that. You know, almost something you typically see more with color Cell than shading. with black and white. Cell shading style, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a vibrant, fun comic uh, done in a sort of swords and shields fantasy, high fantasy kind of thing. And it's actually just a bunch of fun. I'll read the, the little about us here on their page at littleguardianscomic.com. Little Guardians tells the story of two young people switched at birth and now unknowingly living each other's lives. Sabira was supposed to be the next guardian of Yowza Village. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) But she was born a girl. Instead, she lives a quiet life working at the item shop, never knowing what should have been. I love that it's the item shop. (laughs) I'm just saying. Item trains to be the next guardian and tries his best to be the warrior that he was never meant to be. How will the next generation survive the choices made for them as strange incidents start plaguing the village and demon attacks appear to be on the rise? 
Little Guardians updates Mondays, Wednesdays, and Friday. Monday and Wednesdays advance the story, and Fridays explore the setting of Little Guardians with special extra content. It's been going for a while now. There's actually a couple different chapters, and there's even a prologue. The prologue is really where you need to start. Yes. This is not a... Jump in. Kind of one-shot, jump-in, sort of webcomic. Mm-hmm. This is this is really something that feels like it needs to... Oh, actually, yeah, they've got... They've got print books available in their item shop. So good. I love that item shop thing. So good. Anyway, it's it's a fun sort of lighthearted comic, and I you know I think the art style is is clean and you know easy to read, and it's just really well made and very entertaining. But it's definitely something that you really need to dig into. This isn't something you're going to peruse past and no, and really no. appreciate. This is something you need to go back. It's a story. Yeah, I followed the link you sent me, and it shows the latest page, and I looked at it and said, oh. <laughs> so went back to the very first, very first page and got all the way through the the prologue and good stuff. Yeah, it is. It's really entertaining and definitely would recommend checking it out at littleguardianscomic.com. And uh, of course, start with the prologue. You know, yeah. like we said, it's it's a it's a, it's a good story and definitely worth checking out. You can follow them on Twitter at lguardianscomic. Make sure to follow. Little, little. Make sure to follow little. Oh my god! <laughs> make sure to follow little guardians at. Make sure to follow little guardians on Twitter at l guardians comic. Feels weird not saying dot com or something. Yeah, I know. I, I was know, totally yeah, waiting for that. <laughs> dot what? Dot what? <laughs> now let's shift into talking about the PlayStation Four. Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. So excited! So the last week. On Wednesday, the 20th, we actually had a live stream go out, and PlayStation put on a huge event in New York. It was actually two hours long. Nobody was expecting that. Even the people over at IGN, which is like their job to predict and pay attention to what's going on in the game world, expected it to only be just an hour. You know, for those who are still working at IGN. What's that supposed to mean? They oh, they like, they had a lot of jobs. Yeah. Oh, did they? They really? had some yeah. layoffs, and One Up, GameSpy, yeah. and UGO are now out of business. They're wow. trying to move forward and just focus on their two most profitable sites. Ask Men, because everybody knows that's a reliable website, and then just IGN itself. Oh wow! And so, well, if you've ever been to UGO, it hasn't been updated since like June of last year. So, <laughs> no surprise there that it's gone. It's so funny too because the actual IGN website is bustling and busy and yeah. really excellent. It's like one of my most favorite game resources. I mean, there's lots of really good game stuff out there, but but I you know I enjoy the personalities on IGN quite a bit. Anyway, so IGN actually put on a huge kind of like four-hour event <laughs> where they did a pre-show for an hour and then streamed the whole the whole PlayStation stream from New York and then did it a, an hour-long post-show. And the two guys that were on there were Greg Miller and... Damon Hatfield. Damon Hatfield, that's right. Uh, the, the pre- and post-show were all right. I mean, it's a lot of information that we already kind of knew. It was just, you know, speculation and then talking about what just happened. So, I mean, I, I'm a little bit on the fence as to why they did that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was still interesting and entertaining to hear what they had to say. But if you at all are following them or listen to the PlayStation podcast, Podcast Beyond, uh, which, is, which is a good podcast, highly recommend it. Uh, it's all things that have been said before the pre-show. But, you know, for those of us that are just kind of perusing around and dropped in for it, there's lots of really good information and predictions. Anyway, the conference itself was really exciting. I, myself, am a huge, huge PlayStation fan. Always been a PlayStation fan. You know, just recently started using the Xbox. So why don't we go around and talk a little bit about some of the exciting things that uh, that's going to be coming in the next PlayStation, which is supposedly coming out, you know, as far as we know now, in the... What it? They say... Uh, winter, yeah, yeah. Holiday, in winter, winter holiday, holiday was the word. I was trying to yeah. think of the word. It's like kind of it's another vague release window word, yeah. you know. But it's, holiday, two thousand thirteen. Get ready for Christmas. Yeah, every, everybody's sort of already expecting for it to be. I mean, even before the conference, they were expecting it to be coming out probably November, which yeah. is typically when things come out that are supposed to be bought for Christmas. So, yeah, it's definitely gonna be the yeah. old Black Friday. Yeah, totally, totally. First of all, I noticed that they've changed their ad campaign quite a bit. You know, now it's not some kind of weird baby with a <laughs> with like black goo and stuff. Like the PlayStation sure? Three. Do you don't remember the old PlayStation Three stuff when the PlayStation Three was just coming out? A lot of them were freaky. Dude, they yeah. were they were really weird. They were really strange. Really strange. Anyway, they, they definitely have their have shit together when it comes to the media this time around. They're. I think the catchphrase they're using is it's like the war against reality. 
<laughs> I remember that actually. They had a like a two D or sorry, a print ad campaign too with a bunch of um, non memorable images. Back when the PS3 first came out, yeah, yeah, it was and really weird. weird squirrel ones. Yeah, and... See, the, the, the thing that's nice about about this release and one of the reasons why I'm really excited about it is that coming off of PlayStation Two, Sony was just high as a kite. They were so excited. Everything was great. Lots of hubris, lots of confidence. And they come out with the PlayStation 3, and they kind of did the, like, PlayStation 3, bitches, and dropped the mic sort of attitude with everything, and it blew up in their faces. Yeah. It was too expensive, the commercials were weird, and it, was just, it just didn't work, yeah. you know? No backwards compatibility. You know? That's called pulling a cut. Well, actually, it had backwards compatibility. Yeah, yeah, the earliest yeah. PlayStation 3s actually had the best backwards compatibility. Oh, and yeah. then they realized that their customers were happy, and they're like, hmm, well, we can't have this. So they pulled it out of the newer versions. Yoink. Yep. So they said, hey, I'm going to let you finish. But <laughs> and then they dropped the mic. Yeah. But the PlayStation Three is the best console I've ever made. Yeah. Actually, a funny thing about that is they actually did say that it like this was when the Wii and the Xbox Three Sixty worldwide were just like curb stomping them. Sure, they actually were like, "Yep, we're the best uh, platform out there because well, the Wii isn't a really a new generation console, and the Xbox Three Sixty Red Rings of." Way too much to be counted as yeah, as dude, reliable. Some so some we're the best console out there. So it's like, yeah, they, we're yeah. number one out of number one if you count out all yeah, the we're, other. Yeah, we're, we're one of one. <laughs> yeah, the, the mentality back in the previous generation release was, you know, PlayStation. Actually, previous before that, PlayStation Two had the best hardware. And it actually was like kind of the dominant of that sixth oh, generation totally. console. The seventh yeah. generation console decided, oh yeah, we're going to use the best hardware again. But at the same time, you have Microsoft and uh, the Wii entering the marketplace. Microsoft's coming in with this uh, great software developer tools, mm -hmm. and they're getting a lot of titles. But then the Wii comes in with even less hardware and just completely takes the cake. Absolutely, <laughs> sales through the windows. Which is funny and though, because it seems like it seems like Nintendo's time in the sun is coming to an end because the Wii U is tanking. Big time. Big oh, time. But that's yeah. for another podcast. Yeah. We're not going to yeah. get into that right now. <laughs> I think between PlayStation 2 and PlayStation 3, the uh, CEO that was running everything um, for PlayStation and PlayStation 2 actually passed away. Mm. And you had somebody... <laughs> that's why the creepy commercials happened. That, yeah, you had some guy, I think his name was like Ken Kutaragi, that a video game podcast called Orange Lounge Radio, they referred to him as like... Captain Crayola and Captain Craneater and stuff like that because he was such an idiot. Um, and yeah, there was a reason that that guy got fired and mm. they have the people that they have in charge now. Because Well, yeah. long story short, it seems like they've got their shit together this time. Mm -hmm. the, the, they seem like they've really learned a lot from kind of the, the honest flub of the last release. Early guesstimates, they haven't come out and said the price yet, but early guesstimates, they're thinking it's going to be, I think, f uh, four, three, no, four twenty-five and five twenty-five, or five, no, four twenty-nine and five twenty-nine is what people are suggesting are the two mm -hmm. trim levels. And they might have some uh, uh, subscription models where if you subscribe to the service, you might get a, a discounted rate for that. Right, their PlayStation commitment. Plus service. Uh, well, not just PlayStation Plus, other services too. Sure, sure. Um, but onto the exciting new advances in the system. A, it's going to be pretty darn powerful. Yeah, and I want Nero to get into that because he's the one who's really going to understand and be able to describe I've that. I've done a fair amount of reading about the system architecture of not only the PlayStation 4, but the Xbox, what they're calling well, 720 or Xbox 2, whatever you call it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and what's interesting is that they're both based on the x86 architecture, which was the architecture everyone has in their computer. So the idea is it's going to be really simple for PC game developers to bring their PC games over to either system. And, and like I said, that's, I think, one of the lessons we learned in the last uh, generation consoles Absolutely, was yeah. the development tools really matter, making yeah. sure it's easy to get your game up and running. Yeah, well, I mean, I understand that 360, they had, it was based off of DirectX architecture. It was DirectX architecture, but the funny thing was when it runs around on x86, it was running on PowerPC. Interesting, which is the Mac thing. But yeah, after they they came from x86, <laughs> and in this generation, they're coming all the way back to it. But um, the thing is, is that the cell processor, which was the big thing that Sony was touting as the best thing since sliced bread back in the PlayStation, when the PlayStation 3 came out, that was their processor. They found out that it was designed like specifically to make graphics pretty, but everything else was really a pain <laughs> in the ass to program for. Yeah, that's been sort of the, the, the story of mm -hmm. this particular generation, is that cross-platform games 
games play better on the Xbox almost every single time, and I understand it's because it's much easier to develop for. Well, they, they pretty much have less cores and less things that can go on at once. PlayStation 3 is incredibly powerful because they had almost, almost eight SPEs, which are like little subprocessors, on top of the graphics card and everything else going on the system. And just coordinating all that to make sure it's running smoothly it just became a nightmare. And it took a long while for there to be platform or uh, frameworks that actually took care of all the hardware management for you. Sure. Um, compared to the Xbox, those those developed a lot quicker, not only because of the early release date, but mm-hmm. because that was a primary focus of Microsoft. Um, so what the great thing about the next generation consoles is that um, software development is going to be really easy for them. And they're going to be very similar, which is interesting. They're all AMD CPUs and AMD GPUs mm-hmm. with a couple little minor differences here and there. It seems like the big difference coming fo- moving forward is going to be how the actual operating system works and how the you know that the kind of the ecosystem of the of the game it's going to be you know how do we want to run the experience of playing on PlayStation or the experience of playing on Xbox it seems like everybody's starting to pull their heads out of their ass and actually play with each other you know, f- you know, fairly and eat. Shut up. <laughs> Joe's giving me this look. Pull no, their heads out of their ass and, and play, play with, with each other. <laughs> no, but, but it, it, seems, okay. it seems like they're stopping, they're Sounds giving up right. on this, like, dig their heels in. Well, I want to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way, you know, and, and make it so that the gamers don't suffer. And you're exactly right. That the focus is on software because we've kind of hit a plateau with hardware. So even though there's micro difference in the system, the hard software is what's going to make the difference to the end user experience. That's going to be you know 90% of it because the hardware's there. It's going to be good enough to run 1080p, which everyone's going to have for the next couple of years. Even though they're working on more sharper, <laughs> higher resolutions. Sure. Um, so which it looks like the PlayStation 4 will be able to do video and pictures in the 4K resolution but not play games and the reason for that is that playing a game at 4k is just not what the system is capable of like that's that, that's very 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 powerful architecture. yeah the, the the resolution numbers look double but it's really like quadruple the yeah. other it's really it gets um longer um exponential as you add more pixels sure and so the processing power increases but the, the problem is is that you know you really have to have a really large tv to see any difference because sure. there's only so many you get diminishing gains yeah, exactly diminishing there's only so many dots per inch of your eye can see you know the whole retina display i'm exactly. sure apple's made popular yes um so not everyone's going to need 4K uh, to resolution or display unless you have a really big... Like an 80-inch screen or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that's that's like way you know down the line. It is very exciting that the actual hardware is making it so that the games are going to be better. You know, it seems like there's so much just back and forth about games being uneven, and you know, I can remember different websites would do different reviews for certain games for each platform. In yeah. theory, they should be the same, but some games got an, an, actually a different rating. I can remember Bayonetta got a very different rating. Because it just played terribly on the PS3. And don't forget Skyrim and all the problems that they've had. Oh my god, Bethesda. Man. I'm currently playing Skyrim on the PlayStation 3, not having any problems at all, for the record. I've I've put a million hours into it already. <laughs> well, you know it's it's it, it's not real consistent, and that's part of the problem. This is that the the debugging on games that big and complex, it's you know they don't always see the problem. It's it's in theory possible for a lot of I mean, a reasonable amount of QAers going through it and not running into a problem and then you get it out into the mass market and all of a sudden these rare things are popping up which is I understand what's kind of going on but I don't know anyway that's that's a totally different conversation well, and the other thing that's going on with games too is there's a lot and what we've seen in the last actually in between this cons- this generation and the last generation is the new sensors like the connect and the move sure so yeah. they're also bringing new types of hardware to uh, how you control and input and data into the game. And with this generation, we're seeing uh, PlayStation getting something more similar to the Kinect, where they're going to have a PlayStation Eye that uh, can do 3D sensing. Sure. And um, the they obviously have their Move technology, which are moving into the controller. Mm-hmm. Um, that but they're still keeping the Move controllers, I believe. I don't know. I don't know. Well, they were doing demonstrations on the PS4 okay. with uh, Media Molecule, the guys that came up with Little Big Planet. They were showing... Uh, actually using the move controller to do pretty precise sculpting. Yeah. Oh, right. They were making the awkward trees. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, as well as the PlayStation 4 is also going to have four microphones in it, just like the Kinect, that can do noise canceling. Nice. Um, so they're just going to bring it on par. And, you know, you combine the Kinect with the move, the PlayStation is going to have both of those inputs, as well as they're bringing in some uh, the controller from like the Vita with a touch screen on the back, right? Oh, there's you know, a touch what it is, is it's, the top. it's, it's the, the same touch screen yeah. that's on the back of the Vita, but it's not a touch screen. It's think like a trackpad. 
you know, yeah, but, okay. but touchscreen technology. Like something for a laptop yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So on the PlayStation 4 controller, also putting a touchpad on the back, just like the Vita, so you have some touch input too, so you can have all these various ways to, to get data, game data in there. And where, personally, I don't think one works, you... It gives the game developers an opportunity to figure out what combination of centers, sensors might actually make gameplay really fun. Sure. Yeah. yeah, I think that it's neat to see the controller progress. When the news came out that they were going to not support the DualShock 3, everybody about shit themselves. <laughs> they were thinking to themselves, oh god, the boomerang controller is coming back! You know, did you guys see that? The original controller, like the concept, the concept for PS3, for PS3 was this ridiculous boomerang thing. Yeah, Ooh. anyway. It seems just like a slicker, more complete more well thought out version of the controller that we all love, you know, and have been using forever since since they came out with with the Rumble for the PS One. No, N sixty four. No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm saying the, the, the oh, right. controller. You know, it's shock. been yeah. like that for freaking ever. Yeah. And uh, I really like the the setup, and it looks like they've done some really interesting things. We've had many conversations about what they could do to improve the PlayStation controller, and it seems like they've they've heard the outcry. Did they put a beer dispenser in it, or N- no, no? But I'm sure they'll have an aftermarket add-on for a coaster yeah. or something like go. that. Yeah. Now, um, the thing that's exciting to me, is something that I've been wanting them to do for a long time, is they actually have, and this is something simple, but they actually have on the analog sticks they're concave instead of convex. And what I mean by that is that they dip in like a cup instead of you know bump out, you know. And so going back and forth between playing with the Xbox and playing with the PS3, that was one thing where I thought, wow, I like the analog sticks on the Xbox, like, a way more, and that's why. I found myself very regularly playing for long periods of time, and my finger would slip or something like that, and I just kind of figured that was just the way it was, but then playing on the Xbox for long periods of time, it just didn't happen. And so the the concave is a huge deal for me. I think I'm very excited about that. Something that people were speculating is that they would actually do the, the staging of one slightly higher than the other, kind of like they have on the Xbox, but the PlayStation... Uh, apparently they decided not to do that, and I think that's good. That's branding, you know. That's yeah. that would change the way it looks, and it, every, they would be accused right away of you're copying Xbox. One thing that they also did that's along the lines of the Xbox controller is the L2 and R2 buttons. Yes. They've extended them more like triggers, like they have on the Xbox. Which everybody's the, just chasing the Dreamcast controller. Well, <laughs> honestly, Dustin and I were talking about this where. We really like that about the Xbox controller, that they are longer, that they feel like triggers, which makes it a lot more precise and easier to use, especially when you have to deal with subtleties. Well, essentially, when you have a longer trigger, you basically have more control. You know, Mm -hmm. basically, the longer the lever is away from the center of it, you can move, uh, you know, a larger amount. You know what I mean? Like, you have way more control over it, whereas these little short throw levers, it's just like, you try and play a racing game where there's actual analog control for the gas on the PlayStation 3, and it's like on, off, even though it should be... Uh, more nuanced. So, mm-hmm. anyway, one of the big things that they're adding in on the controller is the share button. Now, you know, getting into the share button, we can talk about that a big part of this new system is trying to integrate more social aspects. Now, I don't mean more obnoxious, I'm playing this game mm-hmm. on your social media. You know, I don't think if I see any more so and so got this trophy in X game, blah, 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 on Facebook, I'm going to burn something. Mm-hmm. I'm so sick of that. And that's really, you know, just kind of silly, honestly. But what it looks like they're doing is they're trying to create this uh, interconnectivity between the the consoles, being able to interact with each other's games, watch each other's games, all that sort of stuff. And the thing that's really exciting is with the acquisition of Gaikai that they got a while back, which everybody was sort of like, whoa, Sony, you're spending lots of money when you don't have much money to spend. It was clearly a power move for them to make steps towards what they're planning with this. It's exciting because they're talking about being able to stream things, which is what Gaikai is all about. It's streaming, gaming, and whatnot. So where the streaming comes in, they're talking about being able to, you know, say you're on the PlayStation Network, you're curious about a game, you can just start playing it. You just click go, and it streams the game, and you can just try it. You don't have to download anything, you don't have to download a demo, none of that garbage. You just say, oh, I'm curious about this, bang, you're playing it as fast as you're watching a trailer for it. That's exciting. That's very exciting. That is. Along with that, you'll be able to... Download as you choose a de- any downloadable game from the uh, from the PlayStation Network. You'll be able to play as it's downloading. So kind of like if anybody knows, or if anybody plays uh, World of Warcraft, as you download World of Warcraft, there it like hits a kind of a landmark point where you can it, like the basic architecture and of the game is playable. Now, obviously, with a game that's linear, like a single player game or something like that, they can actually download the stuff you're going to see first, and then just the later levels are just downloading in the background. But that's kind of the idea, is that you're going to be able to play the game a whole lot faster, because games are only going to get bigger. I I do have some intrigue and concerns about 
how they'll be forced to design games um, to make sure that they have this, you know, instant, once you start downloading, you can play because there is a fundamental change in how you program things. I mean, I haven't programmed any gaming sure. engines. Maybe the- Neuro can talk about that. Or even you from when you did Flash back in the day, there was that whole uh, talk of between the doing things on the loading screen, just having that loading or having everything load in the background and how in just in something simple as flash, there were actual design changes that you would have to yeah, make. Yeah. Based upon I, that. I think, so. I think that they were very, very careful with their wording in this event. And every time they uh, offered a new feature, they said, we hope to eventually have all the games do this. Mm-hmm. What I think is, is that this is technology that's available to developers. It seems like this time around, they've really created just this grab bag of cool shit that developers can dip into, but if they don't want to, they don't have to. I don't think that you're going to get excluded from being on the PSN if your game can't play as it's downloading. I, I really doubt that. Yeah, I think they pretty much up the ante with the operating system and the framework where they have all these things um, in the bag that you can utilize. Yeah. And they've they baked in the streaming, they've baked in the progressive loading, they've baked mm-hmm. in all these features. And why not every developer is going to be able to make the compromises to use those, uh, which is kind of nice. They're not saying every developer has to use these, uh, which again goes back to making it easier to get your games on the platform. Exactly. One of the things that they were talking about in the event over and over again was that they went out of their way to basically powwow with all of the developers. And this was apparently, they were doing this a long time ago. They were talking with the developers and saying, what do you want in the system? You know, we came out, brass balls, we're awesome last time, and obviously didn't have as very much input with the developers because the developers were like, how the hell do we use a program for this? What is happening? And so this time around, they went way out of their way to make sure that the developers were involved in the process of, what do you guys want? Because at the end of the day, Good games is what sells a system. At the end of the yeah. day, having something yeah. that's really excellent, having a good time, is way more important than how powerful it is. Way more. I mean, look at the Wii. The it has games people want to play. The Wii is nowhere near as powerful yeah. as the as the current generation systems. No. Like at Xbox the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the hardware is. What matters is the games and which games people like. Right, and and on the hardware side, the only thing that you can do to make that happened have really influenced that is make it easier for to develop for the system and give them yeah. tools to do cool shit and honestly that's why i haven't bought a console since the wii and you know the n64 before that is because forgive the uh homonym but platforms have become a platform for gimmicks sure it there's almost nothing to them there's even less than you can get on a computer most times and if you're going to spend 600 bucks on a PlayStation 3 when it first came out, at the same time, you could have built a pretty badass computer. For Very badass computer, yeah. yeah. That would have run games until now. Sure. And, man, it, it just hasn't been worth it for me for a long time because there has not been a focus on the software, on the actual and Everybody's game. busy trying to innovate, and for a long time it seemed like they were focusing on innovating new technology in the ways of peripherals or something like that. Yeah. And it seems like finally they're getting to a place where the technology that's been developing as this generation has been going on, you know, something things came into prevalence like Netflix. When the PlayStation 3 first came out, everybody and their mother wasn't watching Netflix Instant Download every single night. Now, it comprises, what, on every, an average night, well, like, huge percentage of the internet bandwidth. Yeah. Cool. And so, the world is shifting over to streaming. And people mm-hmm. are suggesting that on a long enough timeline, everything's going to be streaming. You're not going to have to buy games on a disc. You're just going to stream them. You're not going to have to buy movies. You're just going to stream them. Period. But anyway, it seems like it's, there's been advances in technology that maybe weren't ready to really support the kind of horsepower that it takes to be able to run a game or anything like that back in the day, but now it's getting to a place where they really can. Um, speaking of the streaming, one of the things that I'm really excited about is the interacting with other people on the PlayStation Network. Uh, they're talking about, say, Neuro is playing a game, and I jump on and see it says, oh, Neuro's playing Call of Duty. And I go, oh, cool. And so I, I can actually live stream and watch him play and talk to him on the mic at the same time. Uh, or, or say he's playing some role-playing game and I've gotten farther than him. I can say, oh, hey, did you find that one thing? And he's like, oh, no, where is that? And then he can give me control of his game from my house when oh, he's playing a game at his yeah. house. Right? <laughs> yeah. How awesome is that? So you actually can just give control over to someone that is streaming your game. This, this streaming thing is crazy. The technology they're talking about is really cool, and it seems like 
we're just scratching the surface of what developers are going to be able to do with it. I mean, it really seems just like this amazing grab bag of cool tools that we just as normal human beings don't even begin to see the potential that brilliant programmers and brilliant developers are going to create all this cool shit with. I just want to say that as cool Your mind as is that blown. Is, Joe's over here, his eyes are bugging no, out. No, I'm thinking that once a hack, once one hacker figures oh, out no. <laughs> how to take control of your game without you giving it, well, that would be bad. That there's going to be an epidemic. Yeah, wow, I possible. didn't even go that evil. I was just <laughs> thinking, I can't wait for somebody to take over my one of my friends to take over my game and kill me because of lag, <laughs> so I can just rip into him for not knowing what he's doing. Well, yes, and I think she. that brings up a good point: is there's a lot of technology in the box. But to get your box out there and on the internet, there's a lot of trouble between you and Sony servers. There's a lot or of you and your friends' yeah. PlayStation box. So the internet connectivity is going to be uh, a really strong component. Whether this technology works overall or not, because this will be probably yeah. broadband only people, obviously, oh, absolutely. and the higher end of broadband, not the low spectrum. For sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like they're going to have to make a lot more internet. <laughs> yes, yeah. The poor Midwest. Some of them are still on dial-up just because it doesn't reach out there. Yeah, yeah. There are parts of the U.S. that just don't have the internet connection to be able to download games realistically or stream or whatever. Yeah. It's just crazy. Even locally, we've got a lot of people on the outskirts of even our town that just need rely on satellite and satellite or DSL is not going to be able to do the kind of things that they're expecting. To well, do. And yeah. there's there's two types of problems. There's the the bandwidth, which is how much data you can transfer in a second, and then there's latency, which is how long a, a that data actually gets to you. And for gaming, the low latency is more important than the the the, the, the high bandwidth. So there's different types of internet and different ways to deliver it, and uh, streaming is very sensitive to bandwidth as well as latency. So so what you're saying is that the internet is tubes. <laughs> yes, pipes and tubes. That's a we, series of tubes. Series that? Tubes. We write packets and we cram them through the tubes and they eventually come out the other end. Never used to have a t-shirt that, that said LPB. Loping yeah. bastard. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, man. We're going to go ahead and take a musical break. You're listening to Geek Life. Part of that share button, they're actually talking about having the system at all times, which seems kind of almost like a waste of system resources, but apparently they prepared for this, to basically at all times be recording the last 10 minutes of gameplay. So that the with the advent of the Let's Play videos or everybody uploading videos of them playing video games, it seems like they're trying to lubricate that process. Um, the weird thing, though, is that they didn't bring up, at least I don't think, they didn't bring up YouTube in this conversation. So I don't know whether... No, they, they said that you could share within, like, your friend's network on PSN. They didn't say anything about any of the other um, sorts I of I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that Microsoft snatched up YouTube connectivity in some way. Or you know? or it's still just in the works, and they don't want to could announce be. it before, be. you know. Well, one of the partners they did mention was Ustream. Ustream so yeah. that's what I'm thinking might be the ideal partnership there, to be able to stream your game live, and then, like you said, edit, video edit down, sure. yeah. send it out through the social networks. Sure. Definitely. And there's definitely been times where I've come across something and it's been like, well, that was amazing, or I just beat this boss, I couldn't figure out, and like throw it up, and then my friends that are playing the same games, like I'm, I'm going back and playing Dark Souls, and if anybody's ever played Dark Souls, it's really challenging, and you kind of beat your head against this boss until you actually finally win, and the way you did it is, it's, it's like, it's like traditional games where you have to try and fail, try and fail, try and fail, and eventually find the pattern that works, and there's once you find the pattern that works, it's version. very doable. There's a reason the PC version is called Prepare to, to Die. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, many times I've sat around with my friends that are playing it as well and shared ideas and methods and stuff, and it would be amazing to be able to go boop and just upload it to my PSN, and I can and somebody can go, well, how did John beat Flame Lurker? Like that's awesome. 
Yeah, the best achievement I ever got in Call of Duty, which was kill the entire other team within 10 seconds, was from a random grenade toss. <laughs> and sure enough, I went back and went to that video and said, what the hell happened there? Nice. And figured it out and shared that on Facebook. That was probably yeah. the only time I ever used that feature. Yeah, That's there awesome. are a lot of games like the Call of Duties or sports games that already have replays built into their mm-hmm. you know gaming framework at launch. So it wouldn't be that much of a leap to do that with all games. Yeah. Right. The, the streaming, I think, is really kind of the the big deal. That's what PlayStation is really pushing. All of the different cool stuff that they're talking about doing, all of the different you know interesting ways for people to interact with each other, it seems like the streaming is sort of the backbone of all that. Uh, one, of, one of the... A simple little thing that they did that I'm really excited about is... They the PlayStation actually will just go to a low power sort of standby mode instead of actually powering all the way down. So you can be in the middle of a game and instead of pausing it and having the system running and cooking and you know basically using its life juice, <laughs> you know because everything is wearing on a long enough timeline, it's going to die. And so it, like a computer, you can basically take it into a hibernation mode and then pop right back into where you were and just resume. Bang! You don't have to start it up, load the game, load the disc, blah blah blah. You know all this sort of stuff. And so it's it's going to basically shorten the amount of time between not playing and playing, which is nice. That's really good. You know, because sometimes you only have 20, 30 minutes to play, and it's like, man, i got to take five minutes to get in there. It's or you got to jump in to do something real quick when you're in the middle of a cutscene, and it's like, there's no pause button! Right, exactly. You don't want to leave your PlayStation on while you're at work. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or you just got to run, run down to the convenience store and back. It's like, well, do I really want to turn it off? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, so that well, seems I like they're going to knock myself that out. Or I can, yeah. <laughs> it's just, there's a lot of really kind of slick convenient sort of things that they're looking at putting into this. Yeah. You know, and obviously this is all sort of baby stage. Another thing that's exciting is they're talking about every single PlayStation 4 game being able to stream on the Vita. To me, that's huge because I have a Vita. I'm one of like 10 people that have a Vita. and <laughs> There's, They've got 10 people who have bought the Vita now? I know, right? It's, wow. We are growing. I see. <laughs> no, All tens of you. Yeah, pe- mm-hmm. people, people were... Continually, the the press were continually commenting and asking Sony, like, "Are you guys nervous about the Vita like not selling well? What's the deal?" And Sony came right out and said, "Nah, we're not worried about it. We're good." Eh, you know, and so everybody's like, "Man, they're playing at something." And it so seems I, like the Vita just, just wait, yeah, just wait, just wait. And it seems like the Vita is <laughs> going to be a really bitchin' peripheral for the the PS4. Hmm. And one of the things they're talking about doing is being able to stream PS4 games, and not just a couple of them, but all of them. And again, that's a one of the things I said we would like to eventually, you know. So who knows how that'll actually happen? And so far, remote play, which is what this is called, has been kind of awful. And so when they when they were coming out swinging, saying remote play, remote play, everybody that has had a PSP or a Vita and has tried the remote play have been like, really? That's okay. <laughs> you know, they, they keep <laughs> they keep wanting the PSP. to do, yeah, they keep wanting to do this, and all of us that have done it, it's like it's not good. It's good for RPGs because there was a certain amount of lag, but that was about it, right? <laughs> yeah. But if they can really make this work, it'd be amazing. You know, I'm on there playing Skyrim 2 or something, and I can leave my system on, go somewhere else, and be anywhere near a Wi-Fi and keep playing on my Vita? Deal. That's awesome. <laughs> it sounds like it would be dangerous for me. <laughs> yes, you'd never leave Skyrim. Hardly, the 8th Enrius is deep in Skyrim. I hardly leave it as it is, and it's <laughs> causing problems. Many problems. Here's yeah. how bad that is. I got the 8th Henry a custom-made sword... For Valentine's Day. It's awesome. I love it. But he spends more time playing Skyrim than it. So you're saying he's spending more time playing Skyrim than playing with his sword? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Which says a lot for him. But seriously, <laughs> he owns a sword that there is only one of on the planet. It's true. It's one of a kind. But he's playing Skyrim because apparently he prefers ugly things over pretty things. Yeah. The only- people in Skyrim... What is it with Bethesda? They make like... <clears throat> Wangan Midnight level ugly people. <laughs> what is that about? You look no. at them and you just hear. Exactly, that's what I was gonna say. That's exactly what it's like. I, the I, reason I, there are a lot of mods out there for Bethesda games that are just to make things like the people a little bit prettier. No, really. I, I, oh, the yeah. first time I played a Bethesda game, I, I almost, I almost like it just came right out of my mouth, and I said, "I'm sorry, I can't hear you over how ugly you are." <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. everyone wow. in the Fallout games survived a nuclear holocaust, and they're yeah, but now we're in high finish. fantasy where people are supposed to be pretty. I actually have this working theory that it's not their fault, but it's just what they're looking at. I, I worry about what Bethe- Bethesda is, like as a town. Like, <laughs> is that how people look like on the East Coast? <laughs> you know? It's like the treeple. And so every time they hear complaints about their, their character models, like, just what, they like, look so realistic. I don't it's know. exactly the same. What's going on? Oh, this one's 
modeled exactly after my ad. Yeah. <laughs> the, the opinions of the admin do not reflect those of the Panamega crew. <laughs> we, don't want, we don't lose all of our East Coast listeners. And she still doesn't want to get hired by Bethesda anyway, so. Yeah. Who said that? You don't want to get hired? Oh, you do. I do. Of course, yes. Yeah. Fuck, it's Bethesda. <laughs> Anyway, so I mean, you can go over there and show them all what pretty people look like. There you go. My eyebrows do not go. I think he broke them. Yeah. (laughs) What? Was that genuine or was that sarcastic? That was genuine. Okay. Trying to say you're pretty. Aw, thank you, Joe. Did no one get that? Well, she's from California with a lot of pretty people. She can bring that knowledge back with her, and she's probably a good 3D artist, can bring all that. Oh, yeah, that too. I don't like the probably part of that statement. (laughs) Bring frame autograph pictures of me. There it is. That's that's what all all I see. So I'm just the delivery person for photos of the Brian. I understand. What is happening to people's self esteem in this conversation? <laughs> but mine's fine. <laughs> so Brian, you you watched you watched the the, the live stream, and, yes. And so, what, what were some of your thoughts? Um, because I pretty much covered like most of the, yes. the cool shit, right? Now, I texted JP when this happened when they the brought out Killzone, uh, and they were showing gameplay of Killzone, and I texted JP. I'm like, this presentation just lost a bit of its luster due to the fact of what. Sony has historically done to pretty much destroy Killzone's reputation <laughs> over all of their press conferences. In their f- so first Killzone, they like dubbed it the Halo Killer, which is not what it was. Um, the second one, they basically the company made a pre-rendered CGI trailer that they were hoping to make the game look like. Sony goes out, shows this thing. They're like, yeah, this is, this in is, game. This is in-game. We're running this in-game in real time. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> and it was kind of the same with the uh, Final Fantasy 13. They did that. They're like, yeah, this is in-game, real time. And that's the trailer that they use. And it's a lot of their cutscenes. Same with the cutscene for Final Fantasy 7, where they showed a high-definition cloud. And that just turned out to be a pre-rendered cutscene for Crisis Core. But we won't get into that. Um, and then, so... It started to lose a little bit of its luster. Also, one of the things that I noticed was when they brought in uh, the company that made Indigo Prophecy, and yeah, (laughs) the admin's eyes just immediately lit up. Quantic Dream. And Quantic Dream. So they brought those guys in, and Indigo Prophecy and Heavy Rain are their two big games, and they were showing off their new graphics engine. And they were talking about how the polygon counts from the PlayStation to the PlayStation 2 to the PlayStation 3 to the PlayStation 4. I think, what was it like? It's just exponentially up. I don't think they actually said how many were on the PlayStation 4. What, they, what they did were... actually on their, new, or on their newest engine. Hmm. Um, but the thing was is that they were showing just how detailed and lifelike these creations were. My issue when I saw that, it, it felt like it was a bit of a smoke and mirrors because all they had was a facial model on a black background. Now, if you only have to do a facial model with no backgrounds whatsoever, you don't have to worry about the polygon count for anything else but the facial model. Well, models have a polygon max, right, Edmund? Yeah. That doesn't really quite work. It's not like you have a max... I mean, yes, there are yes. limits for an entire scene, but it's it's more that a particular model has X amount you can have. True, but there's still... There's a limit as to... You know, once you've got that versus how much you can put on the entire system. I, I don't For think me, that it the was... graphics are going to be a wait-and-see kind of approach. What my takeaway from the Quantic Dream demo was less that they were talking about numbers and how many polygons they can fit, and more talking about this system has enough horsepower to be able to to be able to use techniques that have typically or historically been reserved only for CG movies. Yeah, they're, they're going to be able off. to do special kinds of things with light, special kinds of things with translucent skin, special kinds of things with texture that you've never ever been able to do live rendering in a game. Which That's what they're for, excited yeah, about. Yeah, their big thing was about like that you could make subtle movements and texturing to yeah. Quantic Dream is all about trying to make emotion. That's yeah. their deal. They feel like it's sophomore work that we're still in the power fantasy zone with games, and it's time to make other emotions happen. I feel like their thing was really exciting. I think that they're, for the longest time, been at the forefront of incredibly realistic faces and emotional, emotionally compelling gameplay. And I'm super excited to see where they're going. I mean, I can't think of almost any other franchise that has more realistic faces. Period. L.A. Noir is the only one. Well, yeah, but L.A. Noir is... It's almost like okay models with super detailed faces that are right. just skins... 
the, yeah. they're moving around. Right. It's, it's not Eleanor like actual like remodeled a tech faces demo so for this facial model system that they turned into an entire game. Right, right, right. Mm. No, I, no, I definitely understand that. And Quantic Dream has always been really, I don't know, I, I really like them and I love their work. When they uh, released Kara, I about lost it. That was the most amazing demo yeah, ever. It's really, really exciting. Uh, but no, it's really exciting to see what the system is going to be able to handle as far as the technical stuff goes. Because I know you were saying, oh, you know, it wasn't really bad at numbers and that sort of thing. But I want to know numbers. Because well, yeah, yeah. I, I think um, I just want press of... X to Jason. <laughs> Jason. It, people were speculating uh, about how is it that we're going to define what's or why is it that we need new systems. There's a lot of people that are saying, "I enjoy the games the, the way the games look now. Let's focus on games. Let's focus on gameplay. Let's focus on user interface and user experience and ecosystem and all that." And, and max out the capability of the right. system you got now. Right, so we are, and, 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 and we are. And, and Assassin's the, Creed, the new one. It, the reason why there was so much fog was not just for <laughs> atmosphere. It's literally because they were hitting the limits. Right, and, 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 and that's very, very pretty. Good. And, and that's the thing, though, is that a lot of people felt like a jump in graphics quality does not warrant the need for a new system. Does not is not the reason why someone's going to want to go get a new system, and that it needs to be about gameplay quality and all that sort of stuff. And I, I think. I would probably historically be the first person to agree with you that if a game doesn't control well, doesn't feel right, that it doesn't matter how pretty it is. I have had more fun playing simple little 8-bit games that controlled really well and felt fluid and intuitive than games that were clunky but beautiful. Yeah. However, Quantic Dream, when they came on stage and started talking about their vision and what they want to do with games and where they feel like games should be going and growing to... It made me rearrange my opinion about the worth of high-level graphics because we are constantly trying to pass through and over that uh, that uncanny valley, and every step we take to making game characters that are able to communicate a great deal with very subtle motions and gestures in the face and body movement and whatnot, you know, high-level graphics are able to communicate more information, and when we're moving away from you know, grr, explosion, boom, giant penis power, you know, it's like we're moving towards, like... Are you talking about Saints Row the Third? <laughs> <laughs> no, what I'm saying is is that the moving away from the power fantasy and moving into complicated emotional drama, trying to capture some of the power that film has been able to capture, you know, I think that really, really powerful graphics capability does become a, 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 a high, at a high premium because you can communicate more. I it, think. Yeah, and uh, the previous generation has lasted a, a long time on the hardware they've had because of the shift to software. Longer than developers have wanted. Developers have been complaining Longer for a while. than any other previous yeah. uh, oh, generation yeah. of console. It's unprecedented. Um, a lot of that has to do with the internet connectivity, too, because like when the Xbox turned off the Xbox One live service, the Xbox Live's value became <laughs> very, very low. It's not even this, you know, not the same console it used to be when sure. it was connected. But beyond that, uh, going back to the graphics, one of the interesting things about this next generation is they're saying by the time these consoles come out, they're going to be so behind the PC gaming and graphics where the high-end technology comes. Yeah. Um, so as far as the hardware goes. But what's interesting about that is that even though the hardware is going to be old, it's it's all about the um, techniques and the algorithms that are developed on the higher-end stuff. You can bring back to the, um, you know, even this out-of-date system and, and utilize that and really stretch a, a lot because, out because of the Because the architecture is similar enough instead of being so different as they used to be, right? I guess what I'm saying that the 8th generation console systems are actually going to have uh, really powerful GPUs for... I mean, it's going to be an upgrade over the previous generation. However, when they come out, it's still going to be dwarfed by the power available in PC, PC systems. Which is just the way it works. Uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, even though there's going to be limitations, it, the, we're learning lessons off the PC system sure. that we'll be able to bring back into the frameworks and the, the graphic development. So, um, like you said, it, it's there's so much research going into like facial algorithms and being able to do uh, more advanced things and that's happening on even on the higher end pc hardware that they'll be able to bring back into the the lower end hardware on the consoles and and get a lot of that effect too awesome well any, anything else we want to say before we wrap up no go save five hundred dollars <laughs> get ready for november well i hope it doesn't become my next blu-ray player because that's what my ps3 was <laughs> <laughs> you know, that my Scott Pilgrim machine that was that was pretty much it. See, the, the thing right. is, is Wasn't that Sony it Pixel had... Junk Shooter as well. Oh, Pixel oh Junk yeah, Monsters for a while. And... You know yeah. what? So, so Sony Sony really just has me and many many gamers by the balls because <laughs> they own 
several of the studios that exclusively make exclusives for the PlayStation yeah. that are some of the most unbelievably awesome games ever. We're talking, we're talking Sucker Punch. We're talking uh, Naughty Dog. Dog. You know, we're, it's, it's like you can't, you can't fight that. And so, when a new Sucker Punch game comes out, when a new Naughty Dog game comes out, I'm going to need to have the system that has that game. Period. <laughs> That's the way it's going to be. So I think really no matter what I'm gonna have to have one of these. <laughs> yeah, and this event really raised the bar for Microsoft. I mean, we don't really know a whole lot what they're thinking and planning, but Sony's pretty laid out a pretty clear vision. And I heard the the presenter Mark Carney, I think is his name is, mm. did an excellent job. He did. Yeah, it was really well done. It was really well done. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. The only thing that was sort of a low point was the whole media molecule. The the, the move is still useful. See, I can mold stuff. Yeah. And 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 after I mold stuff, I can make it dance. It's and, like and, it's like and yeah, the okay, dance fine. Thing that's kind of Okay, you're trying to make it. You're trying to show this dance sequence, and you have like one thing that you can move people with, and yet they're moving in multiple different directions. And I was like, yeah, it just mm, no. That was that was that was kind of like that was sort of like the Wonder Book (laughs) thing, you know? Which is like, why is this here? Well, yeah, that's the last thing I need is a controller that's move sensitive. Controller on a horror survival game. I can't wait for Silent Hill Nine. Oh dear! I will. The TV will fall over if I Silent Hill move. Silent Hill move. Oh my god, must happen now. Oh, and then you can stream that so everybody can watch. See, see, we can. We'll be able to stream it. No, no. I I just I think closing thoughts. I am excited about where the PlayStation is going. It seems like they've got their shit together this time. It seems like they've got their eye on the prize. They're they're like we're about quality games. We're about innovative community and interactions we're trying to really raise the bar we're not trying to do a bunch of stupid gimmicky bullshit it's like uh-huh. it seems like they've got got a clear vision and the vision is one that is in alignment with the the PlayStation community because the PlayStation community has really been whittled down to a lot of people that, that used PlayStation 2 moved on to Xbox and and it's been whittled down to real serious hardcore gamers not people that play one or two games every mm-hmm. once in a while not people that you know only play Halo or only play this or only play that and not people that want to just goof around and have party games but people that are serious gamers that regardless of genre or whatever if a game comes out that's really quality we're interested in and I think that that's their core audience, and it seems like they've got it clear, and they're moving moving forward. That's that's what we're going to get. So I, I'm excited to see where it goes. It seems like it's really reacting to what's organically happening in the community of PlayStation users, and it's clearly built in with the uh, with developers in mind. So that's that's exciting. It seems like we're really going to get a pretty pretty awesome next generation, which by all accounts could very well be the last console generation. I, I doubt that. I think uh, the, the PC is always going to give it a run for its money, so there's always a reason to upgrade. Even like you said, the, the hardware is always going to be driven. Well, people people are suggesting, and this is sort of a reaction to how the big big companies are starting to buy up developers instead of focus on the development. I mean, you know, instead of development of the systems, is that they're they're looking to kind of go the the way of Sega, where we're going to no longer be trying to make consoles. We're going to be making games. Well, or like a system, you know, and, and like mm-hmm. we'll have the Steam Box and Sony will release stuff on the Steam Box. And da, da, da. I mean, who knows how that's going to show up, but on a long enough timeline, I would not be surprised if it's all on PCs or if it's, you know what I mean, something like that is well, happening. We're going to eventually just plug it all into our brains and <laughs> PlayStation go. 9, there if you, you remember those commercials. I do. <laughs> uh, but I no, the problem good. though is, I mean, remember there was a time when they were talking about PC gaming being completely dead. Yeah. Um, I don't see that happening because of... The issue where, say for me, I buy budget machines for PCs that I can just use for work. So a couple years down the road, they aren't going to be able to play those games that are fresh and new. And I just don't have the funds. I I think that the way that we think about console gaming and PC gaming and all that is shifting and growing and changing. And it's going to be different. It's not going to be PC and console. I think it's going to the lines are going to be much blurrier in the future. Well, I think console. I just said P console. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you really highlighted it. It's, it's more than just a console. It's it's a platform, right? You're going to have movies. You're going to have music. They've added a social aspect. It's communicating. And it's more than just the single device itself, the PlayStation 4, because you're going to be able to bring it to your iPhone, to your Vita. There's there's so many you know, third-party uh, and, and first-party um, you know, ways to communicate and, and get involved you be able with to the PlayStation 4 platform. Much all the time. Exactly. Well, so. And, and so they have this massive uh, media platform on top of the hardware. But I still do think the hardware is going to need a refresh because over time with Moore's Law, hardware gets faster and it gets cheaper. 
Honestly, yeah. I'm blown away that this system looks this this generation still looks as good as it does because it's like it's old at this point. Well, yeah, we're definitely hitting some diminishing returns yeah. um, in certain areas, and things are starting to you know just get better and better because they it's good enough in one area they can focus on another. That sure. sucks. Well, looking forward to it. Very excited. So when we uh, when we come back for episode 34, 34, 34, we're going to talk. <laughs> we're gonna yeah, I know. Next week, oh my god, next week. We're, we're going to talk about a fun little game called Oregon Trail, which is a zombie version of Oregon Trail from like the Apple IIe era. And uh, we'll Good get time. into a comic review of Gruesome Tales by Jared Menonen and Joe Daly. Thanks for listening to Geek Life, and we'll see you guys next week. Wow, next week. Next week. Woo. Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners, so please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with any questions, comments, or insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by Air Plus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcasts.pandamanga.com. If you'd like more information about Air Plus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Joe, and we'll see you next time. It was an emergency. Fair enough. Sometimes one finger isn't enough. You got to put your whole hand. Yeah, it was more expressive. I really (laughs) liked it. It was like being creative with the thing. Oh man. Okay. So uh, let's see here. More jokes. Where where did I? (laughs) Oh, more, more regular coffee enemas. Shit. (laughs) Well, that's no even better. Keep life. Finally, around coffee, John. Not shit. Mm, Yes. Okay. (laughs)